Hasta la vista, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Joe Knows Podcast. I am Darren, your host. On this episode 27, Hasta la vista, baby. Apple iMac redesign 2021. MacBook Pro gets ports back. Japan loves iPhones. iPhone 12 sales update. Apple Music updates. And new Twitter features. In the film and TV segment, Netflix drops Army of the Dead teaser. Disney Plus release dates of shows for spring 2021. Paramount Plus news and Fraser. Emma Watson retires. Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Djokovic to make George R.R. Martin book to a movie. And discussion of the 90s films with Dave. I hope you listeners enjoy this episode 27 of Joe Knows. And it just works. And it just worked. It just works seamlessly. Now the tech segment of the Joe Knows podcast. The latest leak from John Prosser believes that Apple will finally overhaul the iMac and will feature five new colors that mirror the current iPhones and iPads. Silver, space gray, rose gold, green, and sky blue. Judging from the renders I've seen online, they look pretty cool, and it will modernize the iMac across Apple's product lines. And of course, the chips that will power these new iMacs will no doubt be the variant of the M1 chip. And now the latest from Ming-Chi Ku. Apple also is rumored to release two MacBook Pros to debut in the second half of 2021 with SD card and HDMI ports. I mean, they got rid of those ports in the last few years. And these two models will also house a major redesign. And the ports will also allow for better external connectivity. Welcome news to MacBook Pro users. All right, moving over to research firm International Data Corporation released its end of year on Japan's data for iPhones. And Apple dominated, of course, with the iPhone 12. Apple now, the last three months of the year, has 52% of the mobile market shares shipping 6 million units. And most of these, of course, are the iPhone 5G, iPhone 12s. For the entire year in Japan, Apple shipped close to 15 million phones for 46.5% of the market share in Japan. They love their iPhones as much as we do in North America. The larger iPhone 12 Pro Max takes these innovations even further. Its bigger sensor dramatically increases the detail capture and helps improve low light performance by 87%. What else do we have here? Oh, yeah. According to JP Morgan, demand for the iPhone 12 is starting to one. Well, thank you, JP. I mean, it's only been out for almost five months. Their latest note to investors. They see iPhone shipments for the remainder of 2021 to drop to 230 million units down from the 236 they forecasted last year. Uh, The revision also... With the analysts in this revision, noted that iPhone 12 mini's demand was weaker than expected. Production cut is going to be in line for this specific model line coming up. I mean, I've said it over and over, and, you know, smartphones have peaked, and customers kind of are now locked into the ecosystem of iOS or Android, and typically won't be upgrading their phones every two years anymore. They're just waiting for the phones, their phones to break or not work anymore. I mean... I'm still very happy with my iPhone 12 Pro Max. 
loving it. Uh, other Apple news. A new interview with UK streaming music inquiry, Apple Music Global Director of Music Publishing, Elena Sigal. Not Stephen's sister, is it? Talks about the importance of supporting artists, and Apple won't be switching to a free ad-supported model anytime soon. She goes on to say, quote, more people would use Apple Music if it was free, but believes long-term it won't generate a healthy ecosystem. Apple Music has gone further than other streaming services to ensure the money flows to the right owners. Amen. The streaming music battle continues. Lastly, Twitter announced a pair of big features coming out this year. First, the ability for users to charge their followers for access to additional content and the ability to create and join groups based on specific interests. Both of these features kind of play catch up to Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. The payment feature is dubbed Super Follows, will become an important direct payment tool for creators. The other feature is called Communities, as it sounds, will allow people to create groups with interests and should for allow new users to Twitter to easier, easier try out the service. I can't wait, as Twitter is still my most used of social apps. That does it for the tech segment of the Joe Knows Podcast. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Wow. Put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant. My dear Dr. Sattler. Welcome to Jurassic Park. All right. On to the film and television segment of the Jonos Podcast, episode 27. Oh, what do we have here? Looks like Netflix just dropped the teaser for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. This looks fantastic. I just looked at it, the trailer, and this looks like fun. The premise is zombie breakout in Las Vegas, and a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble into the city to pull off the greatest heist. Sweet. Looks like David Batista and Hiriko Sandana to start. That's the Japanese actor from The Wolverine and upcoming Mortal Kombat. Uh, Snyder wrote and directed this. It's going to be out on Netflix May 21st. That's heavy, brother. But I dig it. Disney Plus launched Star in Canada, which they branded. And uh, it does not disappoint. I mean, Star is essentially housing all the movies and TV shows from the Disney's purchase of 20th Century Fox Studios. That includes the groundbreaking Alien franchise that Sir Ridley Scott kicked off, but with one of the best sequels directed by Canada's own James Cameron. That's one of my favorite directors. You also have Family Guy, you have Speed, ID4, Con Air, The Rock. Essentially all the adult and PG-13 films and up on here. Thank you, Disney. Thank you for giving Canada this great treat for this continued COVID lockdown. Loving it. Staying with Disney, Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige announced that the Loki TV series is now set for a June 11th release date on Disney+. Plus. 
Oh, what else? The studio also announced the title for the joint Spider-Man production with Sony is now called Spider-Man No Way Home. The mouse also announced the Mighty Ducks Game Changer set for March 26th on Disney+. Over at Lucasfilm, Star Wars The Bad Batch animated series is set for a May 4th. You know, May 4th, Star Wars date? Nice. Nicely done, Lucasfilm. Moving over to this new streaming service, Paramount Plus, will launch officially March 4th with price starting at $9.99. Of course, this is US dollar and $4.99 for an ad free for an ad supported. In related news for the Paramount Plus, the two big films that Paramount has this year, A Quiet Place Part 2, set for September 17th, and of course, Mission Impossible 7, set for November 17th. Will now only be in theaters for 45 days and come right over to the Paramount Plus streaming service. Let's hope us Canadians get our tastes of this Paramount Plus streaming. I mean, there's so many streaming services. Also, uh, what else do we have? Oh, actually, staying with Paramount Plus, according to Variety, a student has ordered a revival of the Fraser comedy show with the original star Kelsey Grammer returning. Why not? We got Full House a couple years ago, Roseanne revival. Why not Fraser? Finally, looks like rumors spread around the internet saying that Emma Watson, actress who stepped, is planning to step away from acting for a bit at age 30. Her last role was in Little Women. She was also in Disney's Beauty and the Beast in live action. And of course, she's most well known for the Harry Potter's Harry Potter series as Hermione Granger. Enjoy semi-retirement, Emma. All right, what else? According to Entertainment Weekly, husband and wife resident evil duel of Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Djokovic, I think that's how you say her last name, I probably butchered it, have found their next movie based on a fantasy work by George R.R. Martin, you know, the guy that did Got, Game of Thrones. The short stories entitled In the Lost Lands will serve as the source material. Interestingly, Mila has been attached to projects since 2015, and it looks like Dave Bautista has boarded this project to start opposite and the story is about a queen, sorceress, drifter, good and evil, debt and fulfillment, love and loss. Nice. That's going to be awesome. Fantasy type. Looking forward to it. All right. Now it's 90s movie talk with Dave. What an era that was, eh, Dave? Yeah, man. The 90s had some sweet titles. I mean, oh, like if I just drop you the top five money makers of the 90s. The first time that uh, Hollywood saw a billion dollar hit in James Cameron's Titanic, followed by Lucas, who we thought would have had the first billion dollar hit with Phantom Menace in 924 million. Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park at 914 in number three. Independence Day at number four, 817. And rounding out is good old Lion King. At seven hundred sixty-three mil. Ooh, wow! I didn't think Lion King would have been in there. Yeah, for it was. It's a good movie, but it was like just an anim- animated it feature. Was peak Disney. That was the last time Disney animation made that much movie till obviously the the newer decades with Frozen and whatnot. But that was their decline because in the nineties, can you guess what else came out in the nineties from another well, Disney. Partnered up with another company. 
Pixar. There we go. Toy Story, Toy Story, Toy Story. buddy. So I think that's yeah. kind of shifted, and that came out in '95. So that started shifting people, like this audience, started to want to go see that type of animation. Because I mean, they still Disney still also had Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, all in the early '90s and whatnot, and Aladdin, of course. But by the time Pixar came onto the scene with their computer-generated um, animation, it's game over. Yeah, yeah. But aside from like the computer generated animation stuff. I mean, Pixar was, was a whole new flavor compared to Disney, right? Like it just, just, it was fresh and the, the humor was, it was just so much broader for, I don't know, like Disney just had that niche kind of style. Yes, it was like family kind of, it didn't really push the boundaries of what storytelling typically is. They're like, they played it really safe with their ideas. Well, I mean, a lot of, yeah, like a lot of the stuff is just like these, these comfortable kind of folk yeah. tales or whatever. It's like, and the formula was so structured. And even when they tried to put a little bit of humor into some of their yeah. stuff, like in Aladdin and yeah. things like that with, you know, the genie and Robin Williams, which worked really yeah. well, it still followed that very family based yeah. formula that it, it didn't try to throw in, in too much like innuendos or adult style jokes that, Pixar, you know, yeah. that were the kids wouldn't really understand anyways, yeah. but like, you know, Pixar kind of pushed the envelope and still kept it family friendly. Oh yeah, for sure. But, and it played a lot on like pop culture references and mm. things like that. Like you think, I think like even toy story two, when they finally got there, they're, you know, kind of mocking star Wars and Darth Vader with the, the bad guy and yeah. stuff. Right. So, Oh yeah. No, the toy story franchise has done well for itself. I mean, Came out with four of them, obviously. So I mean, it's kaching in for them. I mean, do you know? Do you know yeah. who owned Pixar? Sorry. Do like, do no, I? For no. uh, like, like, so Steve Jobs bought it. If you oh really? That. Okay, so you know who he, you okay. know who he bought it from? Our friend George. Uh, Lucas, Lucas started Pixar as um, kind of like a. Well, I thought, I thought it was just affiliated with, uh, like, no, ILM. it was a but... side project that he was mucking around with technology because he's – one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for still is just pushing the envelope in that medium of film, right? Like, to try new things. Yeah. And Pixar was kind of like an experiment. And then at that time, Lucas was going through a divorce and wanted to, like, just need the cash to, you know – Probably lighten his, his load, load and stress levels. And then and Jobs whatever. came around to be like, liked what they were doing at Pixar and kind of bought it off George. That's what Jobs likes to do. <laughs> sweep in. Sweep in, take it, and then I guess repackage it to his vision. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so that's some factoid there. And then, I mean, then we'll go back to just live action. I mean, we have like Forrest Gump. We have the Sixth Sense, which got written from your dad, right? M Knights. M- yeah, my, my dad ruined it for me. <laughs> well, because it had been out for a long time and I hadn't seen it. Yeah, yet. so I mean, so, spoiler alert, of course. Explained. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. He, my dad's just like it. Just came up when we were having beers, and he's just like, "It's so crazy that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time." I'm like, "Oh, dad, oops, I haven't seen it, man." <laughs> like, and granted, it had already been out for like five years. Yeah, but they should always. But I mean, 
your favorite movie was a 90s movie too well i don't know if it's your favorite but one of your classic yep. faves which one is that good old oh, keanu Matrix. That, at last welcome neo as you no doubt have guessed i am morpheus it's an honor to meet you no the honor is mine ended that so it's really weird because it ended, and the, ended the, 90s, the 90s, right? Because at that time, The Phantom Menace and The Matrix were both kind of slotted to be released the same year. And people were like, oh, yeah, it's going to be all all about, uh, you know, Star Wars coming back. And then The Matrix, I think, stole its thunder because it was innovative mm-hmm. in what it was trying to do with the special effects in, in a different concept. And the story was incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah. And sure. sci-fi never really gets credit for any good stories in general because it's such a niche market which is crazy yeah well i mean i think historically at least when i was growing up anyone who was when i was younger like a kid um and into i guess my teens i mean anyone who was into sci-fi was considered they're considered just odd weird science fiction weird you're weird. I like yeah. sports. <laughs> it, it seemed that way yeah, to no, me, sure. anyways. It's, it's kind of a. I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek were probably polar. They still are polar opposites. I mean, if you think about the audience for Star Trek to what Star Star Wars is, it's completely different in their messaging and what the foundation of the series are for both of them, right? Yeah, and I think. Well, Star Trek has. It's more. It seems like it's like, uh, like with the Federation, it's structured in its order, whereas the Rebellion, it's like, you know, just a free for all yeah. kind of. And yeah, no, I agree. And then you also had um, Dances with Wolves, The Bodyguard, and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, all with Costner. Mm-hmm. Loved Prince and of Thieves. Costner was hitting. He won his Oscar for Dances with Wolves, which industry experts still think was a fluke because it was the first time nomination. And Oh, uh, yeah. I, I thought he was good in that, too. Yeah, because he directed movie. himself in that one. And apparently, even Prince of Thieves, he didn't direct it. Apparently, he more or less fired the director because by that time, he was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. So the studio was like, ah, oh, whatever. Do what you want, Costner. And he finished filming yeah. the movie himself being a director. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he was a control freak for a bit. And of course, Home Alone started off the 90s as well. Freaking Home Alone. 1990, man. Can't believe it. That It's the classic still, but... It, it, it kind of feels like an it 80s does, movie, man. though. You know why? Cause, <laughs> the way it was you know filmed, right? It was a John Hughes movie. Like, he wrote it. And John Hughes was a big writer in the 80s, right? Of his movies like... Ferris Bueller. Oh, every, oh yeah. No, yeah. I'm every familiar with Hughes. kind of 80s type of thing and... And see, he's like the Breakfast yep, Club yep. guy, and too. And then uh, Chris, yeah. Christopher loved Molly Ringwald. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's one of Charlie's favorite movies. She loves that movie. We also had Pretty Woman arrive on the scene with uh, Julia Roberts. It wasn't her first movie, but his first starring movie. And, and Mr. Greer, yeah, and Mr. Gear kind of making a semi comeback because he was pretty big in the early 80s, kind of dissipated and just kind of brought him back to the forefront. and whatnot and then of course you have some james cameron movies terminator 2 and true lies arnold at his peak yeah 
you know, and those, and then of course they also had the first uh, '90s GoldenEye with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, I didn't realize GoldenEye was '90s. Man, it came out. That's mid '90s. Yeah. Whoa. Started that, and then Twister. Remember Twister? <laughs> you know, you know, I, I only got halfway through that movie. Hopefully. I never, I never saw you it through. Who's end. on it, man? The cast is just insane. Wasn't but that Helen Hunt, Hunt and uh, Bill? Yeah, that's Bill all Paxton I and Carrie Ells. You had Philip Seymour Hoffman before he became a serious actor. Oh right, yeah. You I know, remember that. and then just the flying cow, because you know people, people love flying <laughs> cows. <laughs> well, that became like, like the flying cow thing. For back then, became like its own. Yeah, it was like it a was, meme. It was like the early right. memes of the memes. It was like one of the, one of the yeah. first memes, which is crazy. And then you can't for we, we didn't even have that no. back then. And we can't also forget that when Lucas burst back in the scene where he released the Star Wars special editions. I remember watching all three of those in the theater, but fans weren't happy then. No. All the weird additions. Where he switched to who shot first. To me, it's still a boot point to me. I, you know, maybe that's those are the original. Don't want to quite say of the episode eight people, but I mean, I never had an issue with who shot who first, and it was like, yeah, what does yeah. it matter? And so he changed it. People were all flipping out about. On the scoundrel, exactly. And I just think the special editions of stuff. I mean, if you think about, it, you're a creator of your own franchise you own all the rights yeah of course you probably don't want to touch it because of what it is people have nostalgic factor for it and whatnot but i mean who would have fucking he did ended up 1999 with the phantom menace and that was just a critical pan from fans and critics yeah which you know, I think we're still in the same boat, you know. I mean, yes, didn't have the most beloved character with Jar Jar Binks, but, I mean, wasn't the worst movie in the world. People still give it such a hard time, and people didn't like the politics, you know, the backdrop of all that, but, I mean, it's trying to set up to see what the Star Wars... I mean, just advancing and just layering more Star Wars lore, I think, but... Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, Master. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. Yeah, I'm. I mean, whatever. I, I like yeah. it so. <laughs> I'm the oddball. Yeah. Well, you so, like it too. And then we also also had Will Smith coming out party here. He had like Men in Black and Independence Day. Just became a big star in the 90s. And Bad Boys. Well, yeah, oh, bad, bad Boys. I mean, yeah, it's his foray into motion pictures yeah. definitely took off. I mean, and the, but I mean, with the success of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah, of course, as well. I mean, right? that got his foot in the door to do like the Independence Day and Men in Black. Where he was being, you know, 
because at that time you know denzel was still denzel he was still a serious film actor didn't do a lot of action movies still doesn't as much but there wasn't really yeah. i mean eddie murphy was a big star obviously in the 80s with doing you know beverly hill cops and 48 hours kind of like the the comedy type you know being a black actor and stuff you know opening movies and stuff and then Jurassic Park, another groundbreaking movie in the nineties. Yeah, I hadn't thought about Jurassic Park when um, we before we talked about you know doing this. I was just thinking about you know nineties movies, and for some reason, like although it's a great movie, it just slipped my well, mind. Well, because that was one of the movies that uh, that Lucas, because of course ILM did the special effects, kind of got him thinking about revisiting Star Wars special editions and the prequels that he thought the effects have finally caught up to his imagination from the eighties that he wanted to do more movies, but wasn't there. I guess once you see what they could pull off in Jurassic park, he kind of figured, you know, yeah, I, I, could I do can that. do that. <laughs> and then he kind of went overboard a little bit, I guess, if you want to, but again, you know, I'm always in this corner because he's always trying to push the envelope and yeah, at least he's yeah. trying something new. And then, of course, you know, we had that big hit we talked about just on top of the uh, podcast part here was James Cameron's Titanic, meaning that um, I remember seeing that in a the theater, but I couldn't go for a couple of weeks because every time, you know, I remember going with Scott and Spencer, actually. <laughs> Bunch of guys. I'm Jack Dawson. And um, we we tried a couple times. We couldn't go because it was sold out literally for weeks. Unless you bought the ticket at a certain time. It was just before they had lots of theaters in Calgary. It was really hard to get tickets for that show. So who bought who flowers? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so that was just really interesting because there was i mean i think those movies come out every i think the next one would be obviously probably avengers infinity war or endgame where kind of that uh, and avatar i can't forget avatar as well where a movie that just wasn't expected to do as well as supposed to do became a continuous hit for months and yeah. i mean avengers was a hit probably for only a short period of time like a month month and a half and because of the generation. I think people just want something fresh now after like, no one likes to do that kind of thing anymore. Like repeat watching as much. Well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, there's, there's just so much content. You, it's hard to, watch, to spend your time rewatching things over and over and over. And uh, yeah, let's double back to the matrix though. I mean, I mean, that was a groundbreaking movie in obviously all kinds of senses where I think it still holds up as probably one of the best, you know, original science fiction movies out there. And Oh, yeah, def- definitely and original. You know, they're doing a number four. They're, they just finished filming it. So it should have been out this year, but I think it's coming out next year now. How does that pick up? Like where it left off, or is it a prequel of they some kind? Said, the only ones they've hired back, obviously, Keanu's hot again with John Wick and stuff. And uh, 
I mean, we're always been a big fan of Canada. He's Canadian, so you gotta gotta back him up. Um, him and Kyrian Moss, so Trinity and Neo are still alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know, so, I mean, I don't know everything about just like the fight scenes. They're mixing up with the gunfights and just just well executed. I mean, and like obviously all the plots and twists about the whole story about who he is and his journey to becoming the one. Yeah. It's funny that like, you know, every time I see the matrix or, or even just after the first time seeing the matrix, that, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who played agent. Smith. Oh, Hugo weaving. Yeah. He gets it. And then obviously he was in Lord yep, of the Rings, right? <laughs> but, uh, and he had a big part in that movie, but like anytime I see that That's guy what you now, think of? In any movie, every time he comes on the screen, he doesn't even have to say anything. I just start like, laughing. Because <laughs> all Mr. I can think is like, Mr. Anders. <laughs> Mr. Anders. Run, Neo, run. What is he doing? He's beginning to believe. <laughs> all right, oh, totally. He, he, he nailed that part. And that's the other thing too. They had such good supported cast as well that he nailed that part oh, yeah. so perfect. And I mean, I think yeah, he blew up, and then of course he blew up with Lord of the Rings as well, somewhat. With just, I mean, he was just in the first Lord of the Rings, but still, I mean, the, when you see him on screen, exactly. I think very few people would ever have be lucky to get that type of role where they're synonymous with a line or just a look or something like that when they appear on the screen. Yeah, and it's just it's just funny because like, sometimes if I'm watching something he's in with with Andrea, right? She's I just bust out laughing. It's like a serious movie or something. She just she's like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah. Well, you know what else came out in the '90s was Mrs. Doubtfire. That was not a classic. I do. I, I do voices. What do you mean you do voices? Well, I do voices. Yeah. We've come to this planet looking for intelligent life. Oops, we made a mistake. We're happy to be in America. Don't ask for a green card. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Robin Williams. Rest in peace, Mr. Williams. But genius, man. Genius, that guy. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, no, Mrs. Doubtfire, I love that movie. And, you know, he was in, he was the psychiatrist in yep. Goodwill Hunting, which also came out in the uh, 90s. Yep. And yeah, like he can, he's a, he's really, really versatile. Oh, he is. Um, I prefer Robin Williams on camera, like yeah. in a movie, as Just opposed stand-up. to like stand yeah. stand up. I was never a he, like he's brilliant. He is good yeah. at what he did, but his style of stand up wasn't really for me. It was a little too yeah. outlandish. But this is because it's not mm-hmm. my taste. Um, and he had, obviously had a few funny bits. Um. But yeah, like when he was on on screen, he's just oh, yeah. brilliant. Well, I can't not not mention Saber Private Ryan was another great movie that came out in '98. Mm-hmm. That that intro scene to uh, the beach. Ooh. Oh, I know that's yeah. amazing. That's like probably one of my top ten like opening oh, scenes. It just grips you right away, and you're like engaged the entire time. It's amazing. And then you also had the Farley Brothers with something about Mary. It kind of broke through with that in 98. Mm. 
They also did uh, Kingpin, Kingpin, right? Yeah. And that flopped. <laughs> and that was yeah. 90s. That, that was flopped, 90s. but I think it's got a huge kind of cult following than anything else oh, yeah. with who's on and whatnot. So with Bill Murray, of course. And uh, Mission Impossible, too, which was crazy because it came out in 96, and Tom is still doing it. <laughs> it's, be- it's become his He's baby. on number seven right now. And they were sh- supposed to shoot seven that's, and that's eight crazy. back-to-back, but because of COVID, they haven't been able to. So they're only doing seven for now. and have to come back to shoot eight some other time. And yeah, that's, that's I think, wow. I didn't even think think they were doing another oh, one. They've been progressively. I think it, when JJ Abrams directed number three, it did okay. It did it was when Tom Cruise was kind of going through his, you know, people didn't like him in Hollywood because jumping on the couch, professing his love for Katie Holmes and. Yeah. Just being a weirdo. Just you know, just being himself, and people are like, "How dare you love someone and be excited about it and whatnot?" It's just kind of strange the way he, you know, did it and stuff. But now he's back with seven, and eight. And then, of course, we can't forget about Nick Cage too from the nineties. Oh God! I mean, Nick Cage <laughs> little face off, off <laughs> and he did The Rock, and oh, yeah. of course, he did Con Air. Some Nick Cage action classics, man. You know, he's not a very versatile actor, but I do enjoy his movies. Oh, I mean, they're, yeah. Most of them. I mean, he was brilliant in all those three that we just talked about, just playing, you know, that type of Nick Cage character. You want to get out of the country? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get Sean Archer. <laughs> same guy <laughs> it is though right like is it like almost the same it's not the same no. character but i mean it's you'd think it was oh i know the same you, you played really similar type of characters in those ones like he almost seems like like he's like that washed up out of work dad who's like divorced kind of guy and it's like now i'm gonna go save the world <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> That's what then we also know. have, we can't not forget about Speed with Keanu kind of, that was a breakthrough action movie for himself and then he kind of hit a lull before The Matrix and whatnot, but that was a pretty fun movie. Yeah, I was 50-50 yeah. on Speed. I I liked parts of it, but yeah, I, don't had, it, I, I don't think they needed to do another one. Well, that's one. why he Let's didn't want to do the other one. He's like, yeah, uh, no thanks. True. And then, of course, Jim Carrey came out with uh, The Mask the same year, 94. And Cameron Diaz. Mm. Both. So my favorite uh, Jim Carrey movie also came out in the 90s. Cable Cable Guy. Which was so underrated for... I think it was kind of like came out kind of ahead of its time. Because, I mean, I think Ben Stiller directed that one too, I believe, from what I remember. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, he... Him and Matthew Broderick oh, are just so, so good together. I mean, Charlie's whole family loves that movie. They they quote it like crazy. And I, oh, it had so many you know, one-liners. Yeah, directed by Ben Stiller in 96. But um, because I think of the dark tone of it kind of took people off guard, I think, when it came out. Right. Because, sorry, I shouldn't say The Mask was Jim Carrey's breakout. It was Ace Ventura, of course. But The Mask was like, right. you know, kind of solidifying his status as the biggest you know comic in the world and then uh we also had oh 
those competing uh, movies about uh, asteroids with Armageddon and uh, Deep Impact. Yeah, Deep Impact. Both came out the same yeah, year. Say, I think Armageddon takes the cake on out of the uh, the space disaster oh, it was movies. Way more fun. But... It was not as serious as the other one, and although it did give us. Uh, I don't want to miss a thing playing on repeat for the rest of <laughs> I eternity. I, when I got, I was working my uh, job in music world at the time. And my boss at the time just hated that song. Every time he played on the story, he's like, See. someone skip this song. No kidding. Just... Uh, I I couldn't stand it either, man. It's it was just oh so so cheesy. Yeah, Aerosmith just but whatever. Up another notch, to, like covered it and it became a big song. Well, for next yeah, generation not... and whatnot. So, and I think that's about it. That kind of covers or and the Fugitive is the last one too. That was brilliant movie as well too with Harrison Ford. I think you missed you missed a couple I know, good ones, bad, man. My bad. There's, that's what I'm saying. Pulp, Pulp fiction? fiction? Oh, my bad. Pulp Ooh. Fiction. Brave, brave. Oh, you know what? Because the other list I'm looking at here is I'm looking at people's uh, making money. My bad. Okay, yes. Braveheart. Wow. Um, like that, for me, that's like one of my all time top, 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 top movies. So like it's, it's such a good movie. It holds up really well. It's, it's like, to me, that's almost one of the movies that, like, you know, like the, the new way of setting up those battle scenes where it's like the, the, the lineup and just the, all, all the guys are just charging at each other. Like just, it's all just yeah. mayhem. Right. I think that was the movie that just kind of cre- kind of niched that oh, style. No, I, I 100% agree with you. They started that type of battlefield style fighting where, yeah, I mean, yes, I totally like everyone just wanted to recreate it and like have their own version and outdo oh, for sure. it. Oh, sure. Right? And I think uh, you're right. I mean, uh, Mel Gibson directed that and starred in as well. And yes, I don't know how I missed that one. My bad. But yeah, for sure. It was groundbreaking in that sense where people still copy it to this day. Like, I mean, obviously effects have gone better and all that stuff. But like, I mean, yeah, Ness Charlie's one of her top three movies is. Sons of Scotland! I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. He kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. Braveheart. Yeah. Is it Braveheart? I mean, if I had a choice between Braveheart and Gladiator, I'd take Gladiator myself. But that came in... That's, mm, that's, that's, that's a different a decade, one. So, but... If, like for me, they're both excellent mm-hmm. movies. Um, I don't know, and they just, I like similar kind of idea. I guess you you kind of have this kind of hero character who's kind of, I don't know, is kind of going through the similar struggle. But I don't know. I I don't know if I could put them in the same category, right? I almost have to kind of 
push each one to the side and say they each yeah. get their own. <laughs> exactly. So did I miss anything else then? I'm just kind of looking at the list here myself, but that um, you, that you enjoy. Other stuff. I, I mean, Pulp about. Fiction. Other ones I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Quentin. Yep. Maybe that's why I didn't put him up there. I mean, it was a pretty big film and because of what it brought back John Travolta. Samuel Jackson came to right. the forefront, more or less. I mean, that's it for me. From here on in, you consider my ass retired. Jesus Christ. Don't blaspheme. God damn it, I said, don't do that. Hey, you know why you're fucking freaking out on us? Look, I'm telling Marcellus today. I'm through. And, uh... Kind of, I think that one, you know, rocketed his career. Oh, like, it did. Into yeah. what it is today. And, um, I mean, if you don't know about Tarantino, that's... He only wants to do ten movies. He's got one movie left. Oh, that that was his He's thing. Been saying it for years. I only want to do ten movies, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his ninth movie. Okay. He and you know what he mm. wanted to do, but they wouldn't let him do. He actually wrote a script for Star Trek. And oh, JJ really? Abrams read it. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. We should do this. And then the studio's like, because mm. what is Tarantino's movies usually are? What do you think they are? Rather, yep, R rated. What's Star Trek? Yeah, mm, you ain't getting R rated in Star Trek, so and they, or if they had a they've had a mature rating, yeah, in they Star had Trek? like I think uh, First Contact was probably the most uh, violent, if you could believe, of the Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. yeah, so crazy. Yeah, no, that that would be interesting to see a Tarantino yeah. Star Trek. I mean, I give him props for good writer. I mean, I enjoy his writing, but, um, you know, his movies in general, I'm not always itching to go see his movies, so that's why I didn't have him up there. Well, but then I got got a couple more here that we didn't mention. Um, One of my favorite movies, too, is Michael Douglas, The Game. Oh, that was a sleeper hit. That was so good. I love that movie. The only problem is, once you've seen it, it's like you can't really rewatch it. my my Stargate. Oh yeah, just Stargates. <laughs> which you know, which basically set up my one of my favorite sci-fi TV series, and uh, then we had Richard Gere again in Primal Fear. Oh my Fear. god, I remember watching that with you. Yeah, Edward Norton on party. <laughs> that was he. Edward Norton oh, was so good god. in this movie. It just blew me away, and like especially you know, no spoilers. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. His performance but like, was. His performance surprises yeah. the hell out of you. And what the hell you want from me now? Quit your crying. I can't understand a goddamn word you're saying. You little sissy, you make me sick. You're a lawyer. You was lawyer, ain't you? Yeah. Yeah, with your fancy suit. I heard about you. It sounds to me like they're gonna shoot old Aaron so full of poison it's gonna come out his eyes. Where is Aaron? Aaron's crying off in some corner somewhere. You scared him off. And it left yeah. me guessing. He should you know? have won an Oscar for that role for supporting. He didn't. Obviously, he got nominated, but but he was just he was too yeah. much of an unknown, right? Oh, he got yeah. he did get nomination. I remember, though? I'm pretty sure. And then the yeah. game. I forgot the game actually was directed by David Fincher, who becoming more of a bigger director. Well, he's a decent sized director, but yeah, I'm familiar with Fincher, Fincher. man. Let's see here. And then uh, the other couple I had in here is Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's relationship. Yeah, and then we then The Usual Suspects, which I thought was an oh, that was awesome so good. movie. Brian Still love Singer, that one. But... And 
and train spotting. Yeah, train spotting. I've only watched it, I think, twice. I would have to probably revisit it. I think that's Danny Boyle directed that as well. And it, it's a bizarre movie. If it like you either like it or you just like this is just too weird yeah. for me. But yeah, those those are the other ones I thought were, you know, big nineties kind of breakout. You know, I'm films. probably missing a handful here, but um Oh, but there's just so many. That's what like, I mean. What like, that's why I chose the '90s because it was something that we probably started as you know we got into our teenage and later years. You're watching a lot of movies more than ever because your movies are being released one after another. And you're just like just inundated. I mean, now we're it's just crazy now. I mean, obviously we're in COVID, but like the amounts of movies being released now, you can't keep up. Yeah. Well, I mean, even. Didn't the um, the mummy yep. movie series yep, the mummy start did. in the nineties? You know, I forgot to say his basic instinct as well was kind of a breakout movie, obviously for Sharon Stone. Oh yeah, what not? And we oh what about Total uh, Recall? But I mean, we already talked about that before. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence would of have the been Lambs. Eight nineties, yeah, right? And like now they've got um, the TV Clarice series just Clarice came out, yeah? just came out. Good morning, Doctor Lecter. My name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. May I see your credentials? Certainly. Closer, please. Closer. That expires in one week. You're not real FBI, are you? And I haven't no. seen it. I don't know yeah, if you've seen, seen it. But, uh... but yeah. Yeah, I was well. kind of iffy on whether that'd be something I'd Gonna jump but that's what I mean. Not, like, but... look all the movies you've named off here, and like we, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out in 1990. The first oh, one, which yeah. I went to the theater too to watch, too. I was like, "Oh my god, get to finally see this!" I mean, yeah. And the the, the thing is, with the the first movie, they actual they actually followed yeah. the original comic book mm-hmm. origin story, uh, apart from all the the swearing and the nudity because yeah. <laughs> well i mean they were like r-rated comics pretty much and then they obviously wanted to get a pg or pg-13 rating from them so they could make it family friendly and then we saw the the introduction of the archie style teenage mutant yep. ninja turtle comics right yeah no that's what i'm saying and then like you know there's jfk hook you know adam's Adam's oh, hook. oh yeah! Like I'm, I, I know, like I, there's just too many to name here. You also had the Lethal Weapon three, Wayne's World, A Few Good Men, Sister Act. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can leave that one out. <laughs> no yeah. offense to uh, Whoopi, yes, that was an, I and didn't then, enjoy that movie at all. <laughs> Did you like that movie? And then yeah, Shin. No, okay, I'm just, just going through the list. list. As well, and oh, of course we had some repeats here of like Cliffhanger, which we said from our other previous podcasts and whatnot. And like I'm just going, that was 93. Then in 94, of course, we had the Lion King, Forrest Gump, Flintstones live action for the first time. What about, um, since we're talking, you know, Arnie and Schwarzenegger and Van Damme yeah. kind of action stuff. What about the old Cyborg 2 movie that Cyborg came out in the 90s? Cyborg 2, Jesus. Do you no. know who was in that? Angelina oh Jolie. <laughs> was yeah. she playing like someone's daughter or something? Or I didn't see it, so just, I didn't actually watch it. I just know she was in it. Here. Oh, my God. No, she played a cyborg. 
Oh, she was a cyborg. Okay. I didn't actually watch it because I was just... And the thing was, I didn't really know who she was then. I think she, she might have done that... Uh, was she in that Strange Days movie no, or something like that? I know which like movie that? you're talking about where... Um, Hackers. Yeah, I remember Oh, Hacker, Hackers. Hackers. But she had Hackers. like... I think that was that yeah, was one of her yeah, first she movies, married right? The the lead in that, they got yeah they got married for oh, really you know, they were married for a couple of years. Because yeah, Hackers was the movie that I remember her yeah. her from, and that then I you kept yeah, seeing her and other things after that. But and... I think Cyborg yeah. Duke actually came out yeah. before Hackers, so I had no idea who she was. Yeah. And then you also have uh, Jerry Maguire in '96. Mm. Show me the money, right? Air Force. What about the? Was the American Pie movies? Um, were they two oh, thousand? Or was one of them in the nineties? Excuse me, cats. We have Air Force One, The Fifth Element. Okay, that was underrated. Like yeah. So I, I just googled yeah. American Pie. It yep, was nineteen ninety nine when that one came out. So yeah. So it's. Yeah. So just making just the making the cutoff, and ironically, it's probably the only decent yeah, the American first one. pie. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of went downhill, you know. Like it was the first one was a, it was just enough to make you laugh and introduce the the crew, and then two just yeah, it was only half as good. And then it just yeah. kept getting worse. But well, we also can't forget the last thing would be the Austin Powers series was launched as well. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. It says your name, Danger Powers. No, 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 no. Danger's my middle name. Mike Myers. Mm. Coming to the forefront after the Wayne's World debacle, too. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's yeah. still huge. He hasn't done anything in a he while. He did a Wayne's I mean. World commercial for Super Bowl with... Uh, I know, I've been, I know, I've like, been seeing those. Why is popping up everywhere right now? At first, I I didn't even realize it was a commercial. I thought it was like yeah. just on. Like I walked into the room, Andrew had the TV on, and it's like you know Wayne and Garth are sitting on the couch, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the movie. Like yeah, they look, they the look so old. <laughs> they look really oh, old, though. Yeah, like it's I mean, crazy. they are old. <laughs> no, I know, but it's just like wow. Like even with all the makeup yep. and the dressing up, it's like just, hey, you guys are just <laughs> a little too old for this. Well, thanks, Dave. That was great uh, getting down memory lane there for the film and TV segment of the Joe Knows podcast. And that actually does it for the podcast itself for episode 27. Please subscribe if you haven't done so and share with family and friends. You can follow me on Twitter and Knows Podcasts, Instagram, JoeKnows.podcast, and Facebook at Joe Knows Podcast. Until next time, Joe out. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. <laughs>